churches at, especially this church, but the worldwide church too, um, churches that are, I guess, on fire, empowered by the Spirit. For me, one of the key things is in life, in your Christian life, is to be empowered by the Spirit of God. In the worship, that was an opportunity to be filled of the Spirit. Do you know what I'm saying? So while we're doing this, bang, you're getting blessed of God. You're encountering God and your spirit, your, your life is designed to be filled of God, filled of the Spirit. That's how you are designed. And so as you begin to be more filled, more strength, more strength, more enablement, more ability to live your life in God. Let's just check some of this stuff out. Let me just throw some things at you just to provoke you. Uh, you were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. You were made for God. You were made by God. And until you go back to him one day and ask him, what's all this about? Um, it could get quite confusing because you were made and designed for a reason, for a season. You were designed for, to fit into a cosmic plan. Amen? You were, you were made to come here on this planet to live, to maybe even come to this church and figure in God's plans being outworked. Am I provoking you yet? Am I stirring you up in your spirit? But, you know, I've come here to watch a show called C3 Tugger on Sundays. It's fantastic. No, no, you come here to be mobilized, to be equipped, to be set ablaze, to be an influencer to all the spheres of influence that you have privilege to, to bless. Amen? Now, Job 12.10 says, It is God who directs the lives of his creatures. That's us. Everyone's life is in his power. Everyone's life is in his power. He created you. And in him we find power. Now, there can be speculation of your life and what you are called to do, but no, it's not speculation that you should be, that's not the tree that you should be barking up. That's not the thing that you should be doing about uh, trying to fix this situation. You should be receiving divine revelation from God to understand what you are called to do and what you are meant to do. So it's not about speculation. The, the manual of life is the Bible. Who can say amen? Here's the manual. The manual will give to you wisdom. Where does it say that? Let's have a look. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.7 says... Now we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Wisdom is in the Bible and your purpose is stirred up in the wisdom that's in this word of God. Every piece of scripture that you read, every bit of word that you receive, every service that you go to, every impacting life moment that you are inspired by, Chris Harvey, whatever, it shunts you to realize that you have a purpose. Now, the Message Bible says it a bit different. God's wisdom goes deep into the interior of his purposes. There's purposes inside you. 
that we've got to try and get out. The preacher speaks the word of God to you and uncovers the purpose in your life. Is that cool? And all of a sudden, hang on, I'm not just born to do this, to do that, but there's more. Some people are called to ministry. Some people are called to the marketplace. Some people know that they're destined to do stuff for God, but they're not, just not quite sure what to do about that. You know what I'm saying? Ephesians 1.11 says in the Message Bible, which is great, it's paraphrased into modern language, the Message Bible. It's in Christ that we find out who we are. Young people, young people, listen to me. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, that means before you were born, before you could even talk, before you even got your hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of this overall purpose, he is working out everything and everyone around your life in his purpose for your life. You matter to thousands of people. Can I just say that? Ali, just come out here, buddy. Ah, praise God. This man, I've just picked a random guy, but he is purposeful and goal-orientated, but still, there's an ultimate God purpose for this man, I believe, to bless at least a hundred people in his life. Do you know some people would even live a long life, go to the grave, and what did the man say who survived the plane crash? I've got to start giving. I've got to start influencing other people. I've got to leave my mark. I've got to, I've got to leave a legacy behind. This guy, I believe there's at least a hundred people in, in him to bless. I reckon he's about a hundred. But hang on, hang on. I believe, really, Yes, too. Well, I was going to say, I was going to up the ante completely. 500. There's about 500 people that God wants you to influence in your lifetime. But more? I I reckon there's about a thousand. Samson, Samson, with the jawbone of an ass, took out a a thousand Philistines. I reckon there's a thousand in him. Easy. Thanks, Ali. God bless. I reckon there's a thousand. Easy. A thousand. You can choose your wife, you can choose your career, you can choose your hobby, but you can't choose your purpose in God. The purpose of you is in God. It's in the Word of God. And it needs to be stirred up in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Colossians 1.16 For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created for Him and by Him. Oh. Now, being born again, and this is the great thing about being born again, you have privilege now with vision to see on the horizon of your spiritual life, of what God has for you. But being born again, you can be blinded, you can be blinded to the vision that God has for you. If you just got your head down and just going going for it. But God wants you to come up on a Sunday, I believe on a Sabbath at least, 
but any day of the week too, and come up and sniff the roses, we talk, we, we say. It's an old saying, sniff it. It's like, it's like, smell the roses, yeah. And, and, and as you do, you, you realize, I'm born for more than this. I'm born, I'm definitely born for more than this. I know the job's great, this is great, my sport thing's great, this is great, but I'm born for more than this. Who feels that at times? Who feels that they can help this church do more in God? When I stir you up, do you feel like, man, I could, I could throw some weight behind this. I could give some money to this. I could, I could, I could belong to a church like this. Because if that's not happening in you, oh, we got problems. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not a good day. So vision comes from God. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. No commitment, no unity, no discipline, no motivation. It's a sad day. Jesus told his disciples, and I'm going to crunch this very quickly because I want to get to a story. There's a cute story I want to explain. Uh, Jesus told his disciples, in essence, if you are not willing to take up death and follow me... Oh, what's that mean? Hang on. Sometimes we can lose people just by mentioning words. That means dying to your own ambitions to a degree. Yes, it's cool to have a career and to be goal-orientated and to do stuff in life, but there's, there, in being born again, there's a level of you dying to some stuff that you are just doing haphazardly. Is that cool? And we call that carrying your cross. So let's read it again. It's from the Scripture in Luke 14, 27. If you are not willing to take up death and follow me, then you can't be my disciple. You can't go on with me. So God's got you on a journey, but unless you die to yourself and begin to follow him with a right heart, with a right heart and and right, I guess, uh, help me, help me. Let's read this. This might help me. He also said, in effect, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. Yet if you are willing to lose it for my vision for your life, you will truly live. So God's got vision for your life. So it's not about drumming up your own vision. It's about trying to... That's why the corporate vision of the church is important. You have your own personal vision, but this is corporate vision. Is that cool? This is a mighty army. This is a team. This is a powerful, influential place to bless the community and beyond. And when we get into the slipstream of that, that's when your life becomes blessed. That's when you become optimized in all that you are. And all of a sudden you become more in God. Because if you try and preserve your life, the scripture said, if you say, oh, I can't give that, I can't give my time, I can't give my finances, I can't give my smile away, I can't give my heart away to God too much. If you try and preserve your life, the word of God says you will lose your life. That means you will shrink, even though you've got a million dollars in the bank, even though you've got a nice car, even though you're married, even though you've got a career, you will, you will not be satisfied. So it's when you understand this, that when you begin to acknowledge God, seek His kingdom, and seek all His righteousness, on that day, you realize that there's more to your life than what you think there is. And that is what we call having vision. Is that cool? 
Give the Lord a hand. Come on, just give. (laughs) But he said in birthing the church 2,000 years ago, he said, I've got a wonderful plan for you. I want you to do some great stuff, people. But before you try anything, wait till you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Did he not say that? There's actually a scripture that says, even before that came, he says, um, on the last and if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. That's your life. Flowing influence. You should be a flower of God. And he says, this is what he's saying here in John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That's what we're doing tonight. We're drinking in the word. We're drinking in the wisdom. We're drinking in the revelation. We're drinking in the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. But Jesus now is glorified and he releases the spirit on the day of Pentecost. Do you remember? And he says in Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ever increasing influence you will have. Now you're walking through life and you're creating influence. Every room you go to, every classroom you go to, you're influencing that place. Because what's inside of you is greater than what's in the world. Christ in you is greater than what's in the world and whatever it is. Do you know what I'm saying? So everywhere you go now, you're influencing. You're influencing. You just got to back it up with some confidence of a smile, of some, or almost being a little bit assertive in saying, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a carrier of good news. I know I have an, I know I have an opportunity. I know I have privilege to bless. Anyone that places a demand on my life, friend or foe, I can bless them. And that's what we call living a life with purpose. But hang on, he said, wait. Wait till you receive the Holy Spirit. I love this. Acts 2.3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit enables you not just to, I guess, prophesy and speak in tongues, but it enables you to engage. Say engage. I love that word. Being baptized in the Spirit enables you to engage in life. Some some people get disheartened that they cannot engage. And one of the key factors of being born again is that now you're not on the back foot thinking because you're not as beautiful as the kid next door, I'm talking to the girls, or as muscly as the other guy, or, or as smart, or, or, or rich, all that fades into insignificance, and now you realize what you have is what everyone needs. Is that right? And you, and you can shake off the rejection. You can shake off all the peer pressure, and you can become this young person. I, I'm saying young because I'm just seeing so many young people here. You know what I'm saying? This is fantastic. And at Pentecost, 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit resulted in people repenting, receiving Christ, being baptized, prophesying, speaking in tongues. And the, the church became, became unified. They became bold witnesses in God. One of the key functions of being baptized in the Holy Ghost is being baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, being filled with the Holy Spirit, but also being able to witness for the Holy Ghost. And this is why people get disheartened, disheartened, is this, that they feel like they can't engage. When they leave this place, they should feel like, I'm ready now to go out to wherever I work, to wherever I live, and I can be a witness. This confidence begins to give you a surety that you have, that you have something to give away. Now, God bless you, Ty. Give him a hand, everyone. <laughs> Paul's, Paul's, getting a, Paul's getting around. Many years have gone by, but still, some of the people still haven't got that. And the scripture says in Acts 19, verse 6, so, so Paul met these guys and he laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. He basically was saying to these people, have you received the power yet? Yes, you believe in Jesus, but have you received the power that you need to live this life? And so constantly in Paul's delivery of ministry, so many times in the book of Acts, constantly he's going to people like you and me and saying, have you received the power yet? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you to shine, to pray, to witness, to boldly witness. And it's the power that enables you to engage in life. It immobilizes you. It, and this is why we need to unpack this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, which, do we have that box? Could, Luke, could you just grab me that box? And I just want to use that illustration. I'm trying to wrap it up now and I want to get to the story. When you got saved, thanks, Luke, you, you, you're God now. All right, you're God. And um, let, let's, let's, let's make you Jesus because I get saved by Jesus. I get saved by the Lord. When, when you get saved by Jesus, you get the free gift. Thank you, Lord. I acknowledge you. And, and I give my life to you, and you've saved my soul. I appreciate it. Then he says, thank you very much. I was hoping you'd get with the program. But then he says, I have a gift for you. This is what the Word of God says. I have a gift for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And he says, it's yours. It's got my name on it. Thank you. Um, I wouldn't do that to Jesus, by the way. And this is what we get is the free gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's in you. I'll, I'll, I'll have it in my hands. But one day, you've got to open this box, this gift. And sometimes it'll happen at a Chris Harvey meeting, maybe, when you get blessed of God. Or sometime during the week when you have an encounter with God. Everyone needs an encounter with God. It happened for me. I was saved from 85, but in 93, I had a Mack truck encounter with God. Do you know what happens when that happens? I mean, that means that you're never the same again. Say never the same again. Basically, I realized I had a gift. And I'd been carrying it around forever and a day. 
But this gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, when you open the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that if you dare open this box, there's actually gifts in there for your life. There's a gift of prophecy. I want you to hold that one for a minute because I want to get to the story with that one. Gift of prophecy. You might say, I might, I don't want that gift. You mean I've got to prophesy and, and declare and decree and, and, and say stuff and maybe go public with it? And some people might say, I don't want that. But I'll take it. I'll take the prophecy. I'll, I'm going to... Exhortation, encouragement and comfort. That's right. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Gifts of healing. Who wants that? Who would, who would receive that? If they, if they, if they were to open their Holy Spirit gift. Tim Gittin wants it. Who else wants it? There's a gift of healing that you want to lay hands on people and you want to see them made well. Is that you? Others? Do you feel for the sick and the infirmed? I, I know, sis, that you had people around you who were suffering from disease and illness and cancer and actually one of them gave their life to the Lord in the backyard and around the, the hills hoist and, and they, they must have said, I have that happened to myself actually, but your story is great. Two weeks ago, a week ago, you got people with infirmity of disease and sick, I mean cancer, and, and of course uh, this wonderful person said yes to Jesus, is that right? In the backyard, in their own backyard, and bang, they got saved. Isn't that great? And we are only praying for you last week for that. So it only happened last week. It only happened last week. Gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. I'll give that to Jilly. Gifts of healing. Different tongues is when they spill out of the upper house, they did talk in real different languages. So that can be yours. Uh, interpretation of tongues, that's a shama karibe shelededende, and someone who can understand that and interpret it back to us in English. That's the interpretation of tongues. That is a real spiritual gift. You know what I'm saying? These things we've lost. We don't talk about these things anymore. It's, you know, it's, it's sad. But faith, there's gifts of faith. Some people might have a gift of faith. That, you only got one. You can have it. You can have the gift of faith. Some people just believe, some people just believe that stuff can happen. That the church can be built. Miracles. Who wants the gift of miracles? Amen. Gift of miracles. Discerning of spirits. That will help for, for ministry and deliverance. And uh, these are the nine gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Wisdom. 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 <laughs> wisdom. Yeah, man, I can see you operating in wisdom. And words of knowledge. Words of knowledge are profound. Words of knowledge. And if, and if you, you could have that as a gift. Some people have a word of knowledge. Some people could say, man, God knows your name. He, he saw you in the beginning, but he knows your situation. And this is the circumstance that you've been through. And I want to tell you, God knows that. And he's going to bless you in that and through that. And, and that's a word of knowledge. Debbie Rowe could have a word of knowledge. Do you want that? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the baptism of the Holy Ghost will unpack this gift, this giftedness that you have inside you. If you don't want to unwrap it, if you don't want, I don't want it. Thank you for it, but I just want to be a nice Christian. I don't want to get too radical. I don't want to get too out there. I'll just keep it safe. And you could take it everywhere. You, know, you could just take this life of yours and, and just keep it. Just keep it to yourself. And people go, what's in there? I just, whatever you mind. Between me and him, we'll have a look one day. 
Amen. And that's what honestly Christians do. But one day you've got to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this lid comes off. And all of a sudden, it's the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Let me read you a story of a man that I sat under, a pastor that I sat under, where the gifts of the Spirit work for evangelism. Let me read you this story. And it's from a guy called Steve Witt. And that'll round me off nicely. Feeling challenged. He says this, and it goes on like this. Uh, feeling challenged. I've been watching and listening for opportunities. So life is about opportunities and challenges. I said this morning, the challenge of the Great Commission is a challenge. But opportunities come our way in every day of the week. Opportunities come. And it's about us being spirit-filled and with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with giftedness to reconcile these divine opportune moments of opportunity to reconcile God's will, God's purposes into that. Every person you glance, everywhere you go, there's opportunity for people to be blessed. Is that true? But it's being clear in your mind, clean in your heart, and it's been about being led by the Spirit and being bold. You will never go, you will never enlighten people if you're not bold. You have to be bold to measure out. And we're not talking about quoting scriptures at them and and saying a bunch of goofy stuff. We're talking about just measuring out the love of God. Do you know what I'm saying? It's got to be done sensibly, but let's see what happens to this man. Uh, He says this, even this pastor, he feels challenged. I've been watching and listening for opportunities. Recently, I was on a flight from Vienna to Zurich. Weary from a week Weary from a week of busy ministry, I found myself in an aisle next to a 64-year-old former Broadway singer. He was outgoing. I knew this wouldn't be a quiet flight. As he talked, God began to help me see his life. So as the guy's talking, and this is what being a spirit-filled believer is like, you will feel they're talking to you on one level, but you will hear them on another level. That's a spiritual level. You know what I'm saying? People are saying this. They could be talking about anything. They could be talking about their hot rod, their weekend. But underneath, there will be subtleties that will enlighten you of their predicament and what God wants to do in their life. So let's go from there. He's a Broadway singer. He was outgoing on you. This wouldn't be a quiet flight, he says. Oh, no. He's almost saying, oh, no. As he talked, God began to help me see his life. I asked questions motivated by what I believe to be revelation knowledge. He quickly began intrigued. He quickly became intrigued by what seemed to him my unusual ability to see deeper than the given facts. So he became intrigued. He said, man, you're asking some questions there. Now he's guessing. Gradually, he opened up more of his life and described the brokenness of divorce and rejection. I was no longer ministering to a stranger, but a new friend. As the pilot alerted us to prepare for landing, I felt it was time for closure. I discussed the power of forgiveness and then I dropped the bomb. Would you mind if I pray with you? Without hesitation, he folded his hands and bowed his head. I began what I call prophetically peppered prayer. I prayed a normal prayer of blessing, but weaved into it things that only God would know. So he's beginning to pray for him pastorally. That means safe, loving, caring prayers. But in it are words of knowledge. Things that only God knows about him. Is that cool? I prayed a normal prayer of blessing, but weaved into it things that only God would know. In short, I prayed 
beyond my own knowledge. As I finished, he was crying and grabbed my hand saying, that's the most powerful prayer I've ever heard. I handed him my card and went to my next gate. 45 minutes later, while standing in a shop, I felt an abrupt tap on my shoulder. I turned to, turned to be greeted by the newfound friend panting from running to find me. He was ecstatic. He had been meditating on what was said and needed to thank me again. The card I had handed him said, Vineyard Christian Fellowship. It turned out that years ago, his grandparents grew a large vineyard in California. To him, this was significant. He even thought it was spooky. What a strange coincidence, he explained. Shaking his head, shaking, shaking his hand one last time, I reassured him this was not a coincidence. I may not hear from him again, but for a few moments we shared a taste of God's presence. For myself, I've had great joy of leading people to the Lord, even midweek, during the, just all the time I have this just wonderful opportunity. There's people in this room that I've had that opportunity with. And it's, it's fantastic. But a lot of times I just plant seed too. Sometimes I bring people to the Lord, but sometimes I plant seed. But do you know that should be for everyone? Everyone should have opportunity. And it's chilling out a little bit too, not getting so intense. That freaks people out. You know, that's almost like turn and burn. No, turn or burn. That's an old saying about fire and brimstone preaching. That could be almost too, too... I mean, there's times of desperation where we've got to be sincere and there's a, you know, a glean in our eyes. But a lot of it is about the love of God chilling out and being revelatory in words of knowledge and the love that God has for this person. Dignifying people can be a most amazing thing. Dignifying, I found people in the boys' home for me, was one of the key things I found that got these he-man criminal, criminals on side to me trying to get them cooperative with the system. was dignify them, looking in them in the eyes and saying, basically, I believe in you. I trust you. I trust you to go to the laundry and come back. Only once did they not come back out of five years. But that's pretty good. But there's a dignity that, that people want and there's sensibilities of not freaking people out but measuring out the love of God that I believe that you can then be a witness in. Uh, it's, about, it's about just carrying yourself with a good attitude, good countenance, uh, but, but also just being able to, I guess, open up the conversation too in love. I love talking to the you know, ladies at the, at the teller, you know, and you know, have you seen any live shows lately? Oh, yeah, there's all one last week. You know. From that, you dance around, dance around, till you get to a point where somehow you've had a heart-to-heart encounter with a stranger. Just that alone can sow seed. So it's not about quoting scriptures, and it's about you bearing your heart to someone else. Then they go, who was that? They're trying, flinging groceries down through. They're checking you out. And, 
And, and now, you know, there's dozens of tellers that I know and I always talk to them because I'm conversational and, and I know how to dance through conversation. And you can learn it too in the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost will give you the ability to start conversations and the ability to impress upon people the love of God. And one day, maybe, you too can lead someone to Jesus. Is that cool? Let's all stand. God bless you. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah.